So this morning, I'm pretty excited to get into another Advent study with you guys. And I want to encourage you, if you're able to go on your uh, device, you can go to YouTube or Facebook, share our live feed. Why? Because the word of God's going on. I don't know about you guys, but don't we want people to hear the truth of the gospel? We want to share that with others. So if you guys could do that or do it later. But one of those things that I love about Advent, it's all about why Jesus came into the world. And people don't even seek and want to know why is Christ in this Christmas? <laughs> what, what's, what is that about? I want to know more. And we have an opportunity to share that. So this morning, guys, we're going to be taking a look um, at joyful uh, preparation. So far, we've looked at Advent is an expectant waiting. And we also looked at Advent being a hopeful anticipation. So we get to light three candles this morning because we're on to joyful expectation this morning. So often four candles are lit to the four weeks leading up to Christmas. We're going to get a special pink one on Christmas Eve. Let's take a vote. Who likes pink more than purple? Okay, how many of you guys like purple more than pink? You're my peeps. If you're a pinky, you're, you're one of Shalom's peeps. She likes pink. So, the first two we looked at, guys, this expectant waiting in Advent, um, being also that hopeful anticipation. We live in those, uh, th- that tension between the two Advents that we dove into and spoke about. Because um, the first coming of Christ, you know, here in Can- <coughs> in Canedo, we're, we're waiting, aren't we? Okay, we, he's come, okay, things have begun, but he is yet to come. He is going to come again, and so many prophecies in the scriptures speak about what that's going to look like. And we as Christians, we get pretty excited about that. But this morning, as we consider joyful um, <coughs> expectation, I want to ask you guys, what comes to mind when you think of joy? What comes to your mind? You guys can share out loud. Joy, happiness. Jesus, others, you. Hey, just think if we actually put Jesus first and others and yourself last. So a lot of people are living for themselves. It's all about you. You're miserable. I can tell you that. You're just a miserable person. That's how it works, doesn't it? Um, What else comes to mind, guys? When you think of joy, pantry, rejoice, rejoicing and suffering, family, lightheartedness, bubbling up, overflowing, right? Contentment. Let me ask you guys what color comes to mind when you think of joy. Tangerine. <laughs> That's pretty specific. I didn't have breakfast. Knock it off. <laughs> what color comes to mind, guys? Yellow. You saw that Pixar show, huh? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Yellow. That's what we're told. <laughs> Some of you guys are, yeah, I saw that too. Any other? Red, purple for me. That's why it's purple on here. 
I like purple. That's why the candles are purple, right? Joy. Um, is your lar- life marked by gratitude and celebration? I know we have a few visitors here. <laughs> we don't always ask a bunch of questions, but it is good when we look to the Lord. We got to get real. And if we don't ask ourselves some questions, it's hard to get real, isn't it? Okay. So one of the questions, are you a person of gratitude? Are you thankful? Do you celebrate what you have, who our God is, who you are in him? Are you a grateful person? Or are you marked by cynicism or maybe the anger of our day? What marks you? Do you have a settled assurance that God is in control of every single detail of life? Do you have that quiet confidence in him that ultimately everything will be right? You guys know that the human brain is bent towards the negative? Kind of makes sense, right? We live in a fallen world. We were brain, you know, born with fallen brains. I so wish I got a new brain when I got saved. Wouldn't that be the coolest thing? We were born again of the Holy Spirit, you know? Because what we're told in Scripture, hey, we still have that old nature. You're still going to be fleshy because of that old nature. You're going to be warring against the Spirit as a result of it. Any guys warring lately? Fighting, yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. I wish God just would have taken our old brain completely, giving you a complete new brain. No, we're called that we need to transform our thinking, our brain, right? Renew our minds is what the scriptures tell us to do. There's a neuroscientist who said it takes three seconds to, uh, for a negative memory to imprint upon our brains. Only three seconds. Whoa. That can happen pretty quick. And on the flip side, guys, he says it takes 14 seconds to imprint a positive thought. I mean, think about that. I like when it snows. I mean, I do enjoy, like, fall leaves, colors better, okay? But how often do we actually take the time to maybe sit for 14 seconds? I'm going to take in this beautiful sunset or this beautiful fall tree leaves dying in our beautiful different colors right now (laughs) or a beautiful snowfall. Just take 14 seconds and allow that to settle in. The same guy said, your brain is like, a, like flypaper for negativity and Teflon for positivity. And have you ever noticed how hard it is to stay joyful? I was on cloud nine Wednesday morning and having a pretty rough week. Got together with a group of pastors I don't normally get together. And we're just going to once a month get together for one year And we're going to be praying for our community. That's all we're doing. It's not about what we can do together in this way of outreach or this program. We're just humbly getting together and we're praying for the church, for our community. The Spirit of God moved in a pretty radical way. Do you leave pretty stoked? (laughs) 
<laughs> joyful after something like that? Oh, yeah. But I can tell you about a half an hour later, <laughs> the rest of my day just stunk. And I was in a place, hey, nothing else happens today. This is pretty awesome. This is a good day. How quickly, guys, our joy can be taken away from us. Have you guys experienced that? One, even within one second, I'm in a good place. How did that happen, right? To stay in that joyful place. So to stay joyful is like trying to carry water in a bucket that's full of holes. In the Bible, guys, it tells us to what? Be joyful. How'd you guys know that? Do you guys like the little sparkles? Yeah. Let that sink in. All right, child of God, I'm to be joyful only when it's all going really well. Joyful. Some people are looking forward to the holidays to be over. Then I can be joyful again. We're all in a little bit different place, and it doesn't matter who we are, what we're going through. As a believer in Christ, we're to be joyful always. So is this a suggestion or a command? It's a command, right? It doesn't make sense, and it seems impossible, doesn't it? The car breaks. The kids, they're fighting again. The doctor giving us some bad news. Spouse walks out. The coworker stabs you in the back. Stress just keeps growing. Your neighbors are difficult. You failed the test. And you want me to be joyful. Personally, I think this last week has been the most stressful week I've had probably this whole year. I love the sovereignty of God. <laughs> because, son, <laughs> you got Advent series planned out. <laughs> You've had a very long week. I want you to prepare a study on joy. <laughs> okay, God, you're funny. <laughs> But it's one of those things, if we are willing to seek the Lord and to listen to what he says, there is a reality of joy to be had always. Are we willing to believe? Are we willing to surrender and obey? So joy, let's consider it in the context of the Christmas story. Joy or rejoice is dotted throughout the Bible, guys, 436 times. Do you guys think that's maybe important? Absolutely. Joy, it's used eight times in the Christmas story, and that's why we say Merry Christmas, right? Joyful Christmas. Christ has come, right? Consider with me the wise men, Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. When they saw the star, what did they do, guys? They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Did you guys ever catch that? Whoa! The Savior has come. He is here. I'm going to rejoice. Great joy. Megas chare in the Greek. So we're talking about mega joy. You guys recall Zechariah, okay? Luke chapter 1, verse 13. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, 
For your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. This is John who? The, that's not actually his last name, but that's how we know who he is, right? And verse 14 says, you will have joy and gladness. Wow. What did John the Baptist do? He prepared the way of the Lord. He was the forerunner. Behold, (laughs) the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Here's our Messiah, guys. That's all I'm doing. I'm calling you to repent. Turn from your sin and turn to him. And the verse goes on in 14 to say, and many will rejoice at his birth. Wow. Aren't you guys glad? That the greatest man who ever lived, that's what Jesus said of John the Baptist. Aren't you guys glad for his ministry? Aren't you guys glad for people who have ministries like John, who are just pointing people to Jesus? Isn't that so cool? And many are saved. And many are rejoicing because of that. So John the Baptist, guys. Prenatal praise. Do you guys understand how cool this is when we read the Christmas story? Okay? We're told in verse 43 of Luke 1, and why is this granted to me? So this is Elizabeth speaking. This is Mary's cousin, okay? Mary comes to visit. We looked at that last week. And then she says that the mother of my Lord should come to me, for behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt with what, guys? With joy! How cool that would have been to be a mom in that situation. Man, even the babies in the womb, okay, they don't, they they can't see. (laughs) They heard. That's what people, when they hear of Jesus, wow, there is a joy. And then we have Mary herself, right? In verse 46 of Luke 1. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Mary's magnificat here. And my spirit rejoices in the God of my Savior. Wow. And then we have the shepherds. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord had shone all around them, and they were filled with great fear. Megaphobos. And these angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Mega joy that will be for all people. Wouldn't it have been cool to be a shepherd that night? So the significant, this was very significant. You guys see this? When Jesus of Nazareth was born, it was announced that there is good news that brings great joy. Good news. The gospel should be bringing great joy. And we live in a day and an age when the gospel, the best news of all time, is shared and people get crazily offended. So let's look at what joy is. 
joy. You can give it away. You can keep it. You can be surprised by it. And you can have joy in things and people, but that can fail and be lost. You can have joy in dark situations. Rejoice is a verb. Think on this, guys. It is a verb, okay? It's the form of the word joy. Rejoice, joy. And it's something that is active. It's not something we feel. We have to choose it, guys. I choose joy. It makes me think of a song. You guys ever hear, hear that song? I posted it just the other day. Fun video. Those guys are so goofy. For King and Country. Shalom was singing that at the top of her lungs this morning before her brothers were up. Um, <laughs> so it's a choice. So you are more than emotions. Do you guys understand that? Okay. Celebration then is a discipline. It doesn't just magically appear. Joy is more than emotion. And so are the other three. Think about Hope, love, and peace, right? Those are choices. So there is an inner condition of the heart of Jesus who is loving and joyful and peaceful and hopeful. It is something that we take on in our inner woman or our inner man when we apprentice under Jesus over our lifetime, guys. That's why it's so important that we follow Christ. That's why you hear me every single week. We follow Jesus. Okay, His ways are right. He is good. We follow him. The Luxem Bible Dictionary says joy is peace-filled confidence about life because of the character, acts, and promises of God. You guys see that it is all of him and in him. So, joy comes from a confidence in the one who is in control of all things rather than in the circumstances of the moment. Joy should be the signature of Christians and really be our badge of honor. That joy, where does that come from? So our joy should be the one thing that separates us from the world. We should be joyful. I may not be feeling well. My thinking may be off. But we should be joyful. Should be joyful. That's just what we should be. I know how I feel. There's some people, you know, I see at the pantry or, you know, when I do jail ministry stuff they're like oh you're always smiling you always have so much joy and like I scratch my head and I lose more hair because I don't always feel that way but as believers we have a joy even if things aren't going all that well and they don't get that they don't understand that because they know we're human we have stuff we go through trials and hardships also but why do you have a joy? How can you still rejoice in this Jesus? Well, <laughs> come meet him. Know him. <laughs> you can have a pretty cool joy too, even if things stink. 
<laughs> There's joy to be had. So joy, guys. Um, our joy really is the thing that should separate us from the world. We should be joyful. And why should we be joyful? I'm very glad you asked. Freedom brings joy. Would you guys agree with me? Freedom brings, isn't it for freedom's sake Jesus came? That's what we're told in Scripture. So if he came for that, <laughs> we should have joy in it. Oh, pretty cool. Okay. I've seen literally hundreds of men and women who were incarcerated get out. Let me tell you what. I picked up dozens of them as they're walking out of the courthouse doors. You think they were pretty joyous? Oh, yeah, they had joy. <laughs> I'm out, right? Some of you guys had to be in the hospital for something. Isn't leaving the hospital just the greatest feeling ever? I'm out of here, right? So there is that freedom that brings joy to us. And yet not one of these is as free as the person who has been freed from sin's shackles and chains. You guys see again why we should be the most joyous people? We have been set free. We know the truth. We know Jesus. So joy gives us a singing faith. We have thousands of songs. We have so many songs just for this one holiday of the year. Okay? Joy, unspeakable joy by Chris Tomlin. I posted that this last week too. Okay, Finn and Shalom were singing that song yesterday at the top of their lungs. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. They got joy. They're singing. So what is, you know, what's a joy song that's currently in your heart that you've been singing lately? I think for the Christian, we always should have one there. Should always have a song of joy. So I want to talk to you guys about what are joy stealers. <clears throat> Sorry, guys, wrong stealers. <laughs> what steals your joy? I'm not you. I don't know. What steals your joy? There's a lot, isn't there? Comparison. Perfectionism. Legalism really stinks. Conformity. Bondage. Past. Sin. Fear. How many times does the Bible tell us not to fear? And we do a whole lot of that. Suffering, bad news, having a critical, complaining spirit or attitude, not showing mercy, not forgiving, murmuring, fault finding, a person with stinking thinking. Mark Twain said, I have been through some terrible things in my life, some of which actually happened. <laughs> Landon, how do you know that quote? Do you really read Mark Twain though? <laughs> but I know this quote because I do that. How many times am I worrying about tomorrow? 
when my Lord and Savior told me not to? Why am I tripping about things that aren't even happening and probably won't happen? Rick Hansen, Ph.D., a neuropsychologist and author of a book called Hardwiring Happiness, he said, The innate neurological circuitry of your mind possesses a very real change. Positive stimuli tend to roll through it while negative stimuli get flagged and captured and deferred to. But you can consciously override those tendencies in simply and effective ways each day by focusing on positive experiencing or experiences, valuing them, and helping them sink in. So this science speak, guys, there's biblical concepts that we find that say the exact same thing. Where do we set our mind, guys? On those things above. <laughs> Whatever is right and lovely and pure, right? <laughs> Okay, so how do we break through these barriers of joy? I am so glad you guys asked because there's a way to move from fear to joy. And how do we do that, guys? How do we move from fear to joy? Now let's recall the shepherds. They, the shepherds started out greatly afraid. Did you guys catch that when we read through that passage? They started out greatly afraid and moved to hearing good tidings of mega joy. So in a short answer, it's by sitting and waiting in the dark and in the cold and moving towards joy that is a result of the gospel, the good news, by practicing the way of Jesus. Boom. And that's the whole sermon right there in a nutshell. That's what we do, guys. We were in dark, the darkness, no hope. Good news came. We follow Jesus. That's how we overcome fear. I mean, what do we have to be afraid of? What do we have to be afraid of? What's the worst thing that could happen to us? Some people say die, but for us as Christians, <laughs> that's a promotion. That's a party. <laughs> you know, I can't wait. So let's take it up a notch. How do we move from suffering to joy? Or can we? I so love Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. For the joy. I want you guys to catch this. Because who's our example? Who do we follow? Jesus, okay? For the joy that was set before him, Jesus. Okay, he endured the cross, guys. Oh, what? It's scripture. It's true. <laughs> Wait, joy? <laughs> How do you face a cross with joy? Because aren't we called to pick up our cross and follow him daily? How do I face that cross daily? How did Jesus do it? Why did Jesus do it? Jesus didn't find joy in the event. He found joy in the guaranteed outcome of the event. You guys understand that? And what was the outcome of the event? I want you to look at your neighbor right now. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You were that joy that was set before him. 
You guys understand that? That's why it was a joy for him to go through such a brutal torture to die that you may live, that you may be forgiven, that you may have eternal life. That was a joy. And it should be a joy for us to lay down our lives for one another. Think about it. It's very different to go through pain without a purpose, but pain with a purpose? You guys get that? Mom and dad, wouldn't you do anything for your kids? It's going to be a sacrifice. It hurts. But I love them. I love my husband. I love my spouse. Heck, I even love my neighbor. I don't know why. Well, I guess it's because I put my faith in Jesus and he's changed my heart. (laughs) Now I love people. (laughs) I'm even willing to sacrifice for them, to go through pain for them. So joy is a focus before it's a feeling. Are you guys tracking with me this morning? Good. So while we are chasing a feeling called joy, God gave us the ability to choose and to focus of, or focus of joy. We can do that. And I love, you guys know I love the Apostle Paul, okay? He experienced much sorrow. You guys can read through the book of Acts, and you will see him on his missionary journeys, all the things he went through. But he described it being full of sorrow and yet rejoicing. I can be going through all this hard stuff. They can all be after me. (laughs) I could be in prison. You guys know that a lot of the letters we have from Paul, he was in jail when he wrote them. I can be in prison and still have joy. Okay, that was the book of Philippians, right? It's all about joy. If you want to dig in a little bit more, get into the book of Philippians later today. Short book, only four chapters. But I love that he's able to say that, being full of sorrow yet rejoicing, 2 Corinthians 6.10. So it is more than turn that frown upside down or being stoked because, hey, the kids slept in till 6 o'clock on Christmas Day, okay? It's more than that, okay? Christian joy is a profound decision of faith and a hope in the power of Jesus' own life. And his love, that is where our joy is found. And that is sure. Do you guys know that God's love for you is not going to change? That is sure. Wow. So our joy, can it ever be moved if we are resting in the joy of our Savior? Absolutely not. So weeping may tarry for the night, but... Joy comes in the morning, right? Psalm 30, verse 5. And see, you guys know uh, Galatians 5, verse 22, talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Anybody's got the fruit of the Spirit memorized? The fruit of the Spirit is, oh, someone already said joy. It's right there during the, right at the beginning of the whole list. But that is what we have in Christ. The fruit of the Spirit in Christ is joy, brother, sister. It is a Christian virtue. The pursuit of joy is a moral obligation. Life is hard. 
Woe is me, pity parties. We all have that tendency. But the reality is we have joy in Christ. Don't you just love being around those brothers and sisters? You know they're going through stuff too. But they're not talking about it. Not that we don't share our problems and hardships with each other. We want to bear one another's burdens. Okay, that's a part of joy, right? It's a joy to be able to love and serve others. But there are hard things in life, you know? But if we're so caught up in that, are we choosing joy? And I think that's where we mature and we grow in Christ, okay? And that's going to protect us from much. We need to be taking heed to ourselves, And one of those things we need to do is to pursue joy in life. Because if we're not, we're going to choose bitterness. And that will take a root, and it's going to actually end up affecting not just ourselves, but other people according to the word of God. So, it is a moral obligation. I want to share with you guys a guy named by the (coughs) name of Rick Howe. His last name, H-O-W-E. Uh, He was writing on joy, and he said this, Emotions are the tip of the iceberg. There is much more beneath the surface. And when we explore that territory, we discover that we are active participants and contributors to our emotional states, even if it seems that we have little control over our feelings per se, We do have to say about the entourage of values, beliefs, and desires, we can affirm them or deny them, embrace them or reject them, cultivate them or put them in check. This is what makes it possible for us to school our emotions, I like that, wisely or foolishly, in healthy or unhealthy ways, We all manage our emotions. This, in turn, plays an important role in the formation of our character, and this makes our emotions morally significant. The pursuit of joy is a moral obligation. So, Pastor, how do I move from thinking joy is a suggestion to hearing it as a command? Most of Paul's writings... They're theologically called indictive and imperative. Okay, follow me on this. Because you read a lot of his letters, the first half tell us or indicate what God has done for us in Christ, who we are in Jesus, okay? Think about it, Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians, they all do that, right? And then the second half of his letters are imperatives or commands, Okay, how we as his disciples of Jesus are to live into what God has done for us in Christ. Okay? And I love how he does that. I try to do that in my preaching. I don't know if you guys have ever caught that. Hey, this is who we are because of Jesus, right? And it's easy to do because so much of the scriptures come around that and do that naturally for us. And even this morning as we're considering joy, okay, this joy imperative. We see it in his letters also. I want to conclude in Philippians chapter 4 with you guys if you want to turn there. But the second half of Philippians, again, Philippians, he was in jail. He was imprisoned for his faith. And what does he do? He picks up his pen and he writes a letter to other believers to rejoice in the Lord. We have joy. We have Christ. 
Rejoice again, I say rejoice. So let's take a look. How do we do this? Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. So joy is a command. And the key to the Christian's joy is its source, which is who? Yeah! You guys took in study last week. It's Jesus, a person, right? It's the Lord himself. So again, I will say rejoice. To drive this home, I know some of you guys don't like the message translation, paraphrase of the Bible, but I love how they put this. It says, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. (laughs) Think about that, guys. That's what we're to do. In him every day, all the time. Look at verse 5, goes on to say, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone that the Lord is at hand. (laughs) What a great enemy of joy, right? Let's read on. Look at it. It tells, Do not be anxious for anything. But I get anxious about stuff. But God says what? Nothing. You're going to be anxious about nothing, right? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Okay? So give thanks. Habituate gratitude. If you missed our study over Thanksgiving week on thankfulness, you need to take that in. Go back and listen to that study. We are called to do that. And it is so good and right for us to do that. Look at verse 7. And then he says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we get to redirect our thoughts. Okay, and when our thoughts come about in life that are hard or bad, okay, we redirect those with thankfulness. What we're thankful for. We redirect our mind and practice directed attention. Redirect to what you are thankful for. And maybe you're someone like me that gets to practice that a lot. What are you thankful for? And then look at verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence if there is any worthy thing worthy of praise, think about these things. This is what God says, brother and sister. So think about it. And it's the opposite of what so much social media and news is all about. Whatever is not true, whatever is dishonorable, whatever is unjust, whatever is impure, whatever is ugly, whatever is unfavorable, uh, favorable, whatever is Uh, anything that's bad, and if there is anything unworthy of praise, eh, we'll talk about those things. Isn't it cool that we're called, saint, to be separated from this world? We are set apart. That includes our thinking, guys. We don't need to join in with the stinking thinking of the world. So, bearing the fruit of joy is a lifelong process, and this is where we're going to wrap it up this morning. Because any of you guys, brothers, sisters, you who maybe been in the Lord a while, have any of you guys arrived yet doing this perfectly? 
okay? No. How many of you guys would say this is a needed message today for the church? We don't do a whole lot of topicals, but when it comes to the reality of Advent, we can't ignore joy, okay? The good news, joy is a part of it. It's included. We can't miss it, guys. So it's good to take time. And I'm just scratching the surface. Again, there's over 400 references in scriptures to joy, okay? If this is an area you need to work on, spend some time with the Lord. Go and read through those scriptures. Read the context of them. See what God's heart is for us in regards to joy. Because it is a fruit. It's a fruit of the Spirit, and it's something we need to be growing in. Okay? And to be honest, some people grow old and they get more grumpier. Okay? That's why we have a great movie called Grumpy Old Men. I love that movie. Anyway. <laughs> But that shouldn't be the case, especially as believers. Don't you guys want to grow old well? Okay? I really, I do. As I get older, I want to be a more joyous person the older I get. Even though it may be a hard thing for me to do and practice, it's something I choose. And I hope in choosing it that I will be a more joyous person the older I get. That I won't be tripping on the temporal, but I will be rejoicing in the God of my salvation that my mind will be set on these eternal things that I don't have to be debunked by the junk. Hey, that's pretty cool. Debunked by the junk. T-shirt worthy. All right. Um, yeah. Surely we have circumstances, okay, in which we as Christians cannot be happy. Have you guys gone through things in life that I, I just can't be happy about this? This is just so bad. This is so hard. This is so wrong. But they can always rejoice, right? They can always say yes to the Lord, and they can always choose to delight in him. As joy was predominant theme of the epistle of Philippians, Paul found the secret of such victory in the joy of the Lord. It was a way of escape from his prison while being imprisoned. And this is a quality of life that is worth knowing because we all have a prison of one kind or another. Every single one of us. So think, what would you define as your prison today? Yeah, we have to ask questions to actually be real and vulnerable to deal with it, to bring it before the Lord. So what is your prison today? Maybe it's your singleness Maybe it's your marriage, your addiction, your compulsion, your anger, your hurt, your job. Maybe it's unemployment. Maybe school just won't end. Life that won't begin. Again, the joy of the Lord is the secret to our victory, guys. The joy of the Lord. I want to conclude with one thought from Mr. C.S. Lewis. How many of you guys enjoy him? Yeah, I do too. He said this, good things as well as bad, you know, are caught by a kind of infection. If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to get wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must 
get close to or even into the thing that has them. So C.S. Lewis's formula here for joy was basically get close to the source of joy itself, the trinity that we call God. That's what we need to do, brothers and sisters. Or you who don't walk in faith yet, give your life to Christ. Believe upon him. Turn from your sin and say yes to Jesus. It is him, guys. It's in the Lord we rejoice. So, Father, we are thankful, God, that you are the source of all joy. God, we thank you that in your presence is fullness of joy. God, would you grant us that grace? Would you help us, Lord, to see clearly where we're choosing the lessers, the things we're choosing to trip over, God, we want to look to you, to trust in you, to enjoy you. I do believe, as we all have heard, that man's chief end is to glorify you and to enjoy you forever. Would you do that in and through our lives, God, in our church family here? We do want to glorify you well. We do also want to enjoy you, especially this Christmas season. God, we know that it can get overwhelming. It can be much. Lord, I've spoken with many even just this last week. Much on our plates. But in all of it, Lord, we choose you. We choose joy. We rejoice because you are so good, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.